0: The AOP is brought to you today by GG Poker, the world's leading online poker room. What makes them the leading player? Well... They have more players than any other site. In fact, GG Poker holds the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament since September 2020. They put fun at the heart of it in every game and have unique features that you can't find on any other site. They offer games for all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro with popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. So what's in it for you? New players that make a £10 deposit get £60 in free play. That is a £10 deposit to get £60 in free play. So go visit ggpoker.co.uk. New UK players only. Minimum deposit £10. Full T&Cs apply. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly Don't know who I am Mirror Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion podcast. We've got a Patreon exclusive. Oh no. Oh no. I mean people think that people think I'm doing this for attention now and it's not. I just don't know how to work the technology. It's embarrassing. Uh, but hey. Ben, welcome to the show. We're back again. This is our second recording because the last one corrupted. Uh, Welcome to the show, Ben. How are you
1: doing? I'm well, I'm well. Glad to to be back. I felt it was like uh, the Samuel transfer that never happened, but you kindly invited me back back on the AOP, so excited to get stuck in.
0: I'm excited to have you here. Um, Give us a little bit of uh, information about who you are and uh, what you want to talk about
1: today cool yeah sure so bit of background depends depends on the day of the week so we've got a portfolio of interests so one in the clean tech space developing a digital platform for the circular economy which has a mission to design out waste um, and single-use plastic by leveraging internet of things machine learning and blockchain technology and then second which is more of a passion project of mine compass which is effectively the duolingo for mental health and wellness by providing a zero barrier entry to improve one's uh, mental fitness and, and well-being. And, and then the third aspect, the third pillar is really around research and consulting and connecting with leaders in sports and sports tech to collate best practices and trends. And that's effectively how we, we first got talking.
0: You're a busy man. You're a busy man and uh, a extremely uh, sharp Arsenal fan. Uh, tell us about your origin Arsenal story as well, because uh, that's the rite of passage on this show.
1: Yeah, so you got you got two choices. You support your your local team or your dad's team. So my dad be, my dad being a hardcore gooner, die hard gooner, just got just got me in, in into the game. I remember seeing my brothers, I think it was ninety five, ninety six JBC kit, you know the one Burkham bro. Ooh, blue blue yes, light. yes, yes. I was like, Yeah, I want, I wanted some of that. So yeah, just uh, yeah, diehard Arsenal fan, born born and bred. Um yeah, pretty much though, uh, all I've known really, I have to say, is just been the Arsenal Venga. Arsene Wenger years, and then obviously the Unite Emery blip. It's almost like that Thanos uh, click moment, and yeah, then obviously now, now onwards and upwards with Super Mick Arteta.
0: Who's your favourite player of all time? It's difficult to put people on the spot like this because you've
1: obviously <laughs> seen a lot of great ones. It's tough. It's tough. You know, it's like, can I can I have a couple of choices, right? You can so, do a couple of choices, of appreciate, course. Appreciate that. So, Sol Campbell's one. I just, I loved, I loved. It. We can we can we cast on this. Of course yeah. you can. Yes, it was, it was a massive fuck you not to Spurs, but to the whole league, <laughs> pulling, pulling yes. off that transfer. So doing that in that manner, that 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 was awesome. Um, Dennis Burkham, the Ice Man. He's just so yeah. Dennis Burkham, Patrick Vieira. But I think it's gotta go. It's gotta go to Thierry Henry. There was just there was somebody really, like the French say Junis Sequoy. He was just he was just some, just electric seeing him and just like you know it was it's almost like I guess having like a superhero on your team like. You knew you had a goal and I always remember the Good Friday game where we were 2-1 down against Liverpool um, and how he just took the game by the scruff, scruff of his neck. Everyone was tight because that week before we had like one of those typical Arsenal weeks where it comes off the cliff where lost to um, United in the FA Cup. Then we had that Wayne Bridge moment and then, yeah, and then it was on, on the edge and then he just pulled it back from the brink. But, yeah, f- phenomenal player and, yeah, just blessed to be able to be able to call him Arsenal, Arsenal legend, and, and see him. so, yeah. Just uh, that's 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 my top four, if 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 that's there.
0: You you're into uh, tech and and football. I don't know whether your love for Thierry Henry was enhanced slightly because if you played Championship Manager back in the day, he was a hot player a few seasons before he joined Arsenal. So I I discovered Thierry on Championship Manager.
1: Ah, uh, see, I you know I I maybe I might be carbon dating myself here, but. Champ manager was I was I was more of a FIFA guy Pro Evo actually let me let me clarify Pro Evo no, Pro Evo Pro Evo Pro Evo Five is probably the best you know the one with uh, my uh, John Terry and Henri on the cover I think that's Oh the, yeah yeah that, that, that was the peak that was the peak of football now the games today I don't know like FIFA current iterations I think they stopped here, didn't they stop that
0: I don't know yeah it just kind of disappeared didn't it it felt like it was taken over for a little bit and then it, then it dropped off yeah, it, it, like, it, I it, think it, they went free to play.
1: Ah, yeah but yeah so um
0: all right well we've got that's um that's plenty enough of the origin story let's get into the meat of it today we are going to be talking about um technology and football and where things are going because things are moving at a rapid pace i don't think i've ever seen um football, you know technology and football move at such a a rapid pace I, i don't know whether it is uh It's because we've been pushed on by the pandemic where the fan expectations have started to to rise or whether it is the emergence of platforms like TikTok that are taking away uh, attention from elite-level sport and the match-going fan. So I think the hottest topic that we can talk about with regards to technology. um, Arsenal uh, just dropped the premiere of uh, their all-or-nothing documentary, on the face of it, people look at it and they just think, listen, this is just another TV show to entice me into um, into the Amazon network so I can buy more toilet roll. But I think that there are um, more nefarious things at play. Amazon clearly eyeing up a move on live sport. Talk to us about um, Amazon and what is interesting them when it comes to sport and what are they doing with this documentary and why is it interesting?
1: Yeah, I think you can sum up perfectly there. It does seem on, on the fa- it seems like a Trojan horse, right? Um, very much building up these strong relationships with clubs, painting them in a fantastic picture because the interesting thing what the data guys will be looking at is the fan acquisition post all or nothing. If you look at I've got a number of friends out in the United States and they really uh, rolled with the Tottenham one because they felt they saw a human side to Jose Mourinho. And there's been like quite a quite a Spurs fan clubs emerge in places like L.A. and even Austin, disappointingly, right? Um, but you know, anyway. Um, but as it as it relate as it relates to Amazon itself, it's very much that idea of almost creating connected content. I know we touched on this last time. But I just want to re- reaffirm that. Like at the end of all or of nothing, what's next? How can you take that experience and make it even more immersive? Well, why don't you connect the uh, merchandise marketplace with the prime uh distribution um and you almost create this holistic view for a consumer really to get in in the thick of it and effectively c- clubs and uh, clubs being owned by media properties isn't isn't anything too new i mean i think it was ac milan who were owned by media set i think if you go up the, the city football group chain as well there are also um investments from um the abu dhabi tv companies out there too as well so Amazon just see an opportunity there. You know, we've seen it recently with Apple almost going for that trial run with the MLS, and I think that's a fantastic move given the ascent of MLS, also the World Cup uh, coming in 2026, right? So it make it makes a lot of sense. And the game the game has been growing. You know, I know in in the United States it's very much like you're the world champions if you if you just beat the teams in your country. But football is the number one sport, and it just captures so much fans and attention. and Where Amazon see, I suppose, the biggest opportunity is that true globalization to provide that connected content. to Whether you're based in St. Louis, uh, Chennai or even Kingston, you can actually feel like you're getting under the the fabric of the fan. I think that's really where they can offer more compared to current incumbents. So if you think of Sky and that experience, you're going to watch the game on Friday night. You're going to hear Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher give their views. But it's you kind of detached from it. How do you keep that experience going? And that's where Amazon are, are, are supremely placed. There's no, if you think of it broader, with the respect of the streaming wars, with like how Disney just like subsumed that market and took all their IP and and just basically uh, bankrolled um, Disney Plus and were able just to get get steam ahead. You could see the same thing thing with Amazon, very much just testing the market seeing these all-or-nothing shows. And and they've done it different. Different guys did with Arizona Cardinals. I think they did it with the Rams as well. So it's a proven model. And I do feel there's this convergence between US practices embedded into the UK game.
0: Are you surprised that an Apple, a Facebook, or a Google haven't moved hard at Premier League rights yet? Or actually, they haven't moved at any rights. Like, there's no major league that's been picked up by one of these streaming giants. Do you th- is there a reason behind that? Or do you just think it's like, like you say, go, go in when you understand it?
1: I think I think that's it, right? The economics of a move of that magnitude, I mean, I think if I'm correct in remembering, but BT's rights, the latest bid for the Champions League. I mean, Amazon got off the back, on, back end of that. So they're already making that move on the Champions League. Um, but I think it went into the like 1.8 billion. Um, so that is, that's a significant outlay. And also it's understanding this. And that's what a lot of big tech has always been phenomenal at. Again, understanding the, the consumer, right? And then put press and play on that. So I do, I do think it could, it could come downstream because if you look at the traditional models, you pay a subscription model, but what, what do you get? Now you're in a world whereby I could sign up to Prime, eight, $8 a month, get unlimited delivery and watch some of my favorite content on there. So and watch a couple of games during the hol- the holiday season. So, all that said, I think it's just it's, it's an incremental move. And once the rights uh become more favorable and less onerous, then I think you'll see more more aggressive moves. Because the one thing I will say about football fans is they don't care who's broadcasting; it. they'll find a way to watch it. So that they know they've got a captured market there and they'll get that return quickly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The you know fans will find a way of watching it and. Uh, being close to the uh, you know, some of the pain points that they've that people have had in the MLS, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think um, ESPN run the MLS deal at the moment, and there was something ridiculous like 67 different start times, um, and then you you buy the the ESPN app, and some games you can get, and some mm-hmm. games you can't, because they have like these weird blackout things, but it's not it's not a good consumer experience. And I, I, I think the Premier League is getting a little bit like that just English football in general like it, it, even in America it used to be well, it has, it's never been that you could get it all in one place but it's, it's on NBC at the moment, the Premier League um, and you go there I can get all the games. I can go through the app, I get the replays It's, it's quite a, a seamless experience. Premier League is it's, it's a little bit all over the place. I feel like you have to have if you are a, an avid fan, you have to have three or three or four mm. subscriptions going if you want to see your, your team all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I I wonder whether um, I wonder whether that's uh, advantageous from a financial perspective, because you, you'd think that someone like Amazon could just come in and say we're taking every single Premier League game and it all runs through this app. The uh, Apple are doing that with MLS. Yeah,
1: they're
0: going to buy the whole thing. Um, interestingly, the MLS will run production. Apple mm. run distribution and you know all of the bits that run around it, but I, I I wonder whether it's cheaper to break off lots of little bits around the world because if Amazon came in, you'd imagine they'd say, "Hey, listen, we are the global provider for Premier League,
1: all out." Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it really comes down to the economics of it, right? So if you think of the infrastructure cost, the setup costs, and because it is so fragmented, the user experience is is diminished and. People looking for value for money—it's tough time, right? Obviously, we're, we're likely to be heading into a recession by all indicators. And frankly, if you—if you, like you said there—the current subscriber stack is: if you want to watch all Premier League games, you need BT Sport, Prime, Amazon Prime, and you need Sky. Now, rewind the clock back ten years ago—that wasn't—that wasn't, that wasn't uh, a possibility. But I do think the modality and the distribution of content—you are going to see people just fall by the wayside because. It's just scaling so much. I mean, the the cost in terms of the Champions League rights itself. Like Amazon, are in a position where they can afford to make those bids. I do think if you if if you look at how like fragment, if you look at like Disney Empire, right? Um, how now they obviously own Fox and part of that deal, they actually broke off from the B Scott B element. But I think old school legacy players like that, they're the ones who have to move fleet of foot because the way Amazon distribute their content. You know it's not much different and if you said to me i'd pay what well, for, for the prime subscription like 80 pound a year he said to me if i could get 25 games for double that 160 quid a year i'm doing that you know because it makes sense
0: okay let's uh let's shift up a gear um i have uh, i have worked in technology or around technology or trying to exploit technology for most of my career but there's always a point where you become too old and you're dated and you're a curmudgeon. And I'm wondering whether I've got to that point. I don't think I have, but I do want to ask the question. Let's, let's talk this out. What the fuck is Web3? Everybody's talking about Web3. Everybody that had a, a, a you know, they were a VR consultant five years ago. Now they're, a, now they're setting up, now they're at Web3 conferences. There seems to be money flowing into it the output is 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 disgraceful I, you know i've got to say i, I looked at um, mm-hmm. a technology officer from decentraland um, it it looks like 1998 graphics and people are like this is the future of web3 and it doesn't make any sense to me uh, explain to the people listening what is web3 give us the uh, give us some talking points so we can seem intelligent when young people talk to us about it at bars
1: so, okay, so it's, re- it's really interesting because you, you hit the nail on the head there, right? It's There's, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of filibuster and a lot of bullshit in the space. And the key thing when I've been looking in this space is around utility. And the idea of Web3 is it should solve, it should unlock and solve problems and challenges we're facing we can't achieve with the current infrastructure we have today. So with, with Web2, so when you think of blending in elements of blockchain technology to effectively regiment and provide at asset ownership to that individual where previous legacy systems and technologies couldn't do that so when you think of like even the spaces of nft so you can actually have your own personalized trading card or even season ticket like nba top shot do those are those are kind of like the more consumer focused uh, use cases there but True web three in itself. Where we are now, I liken it to where we are right now in terms of the dot com bubble the NASDAQ crash early two thousand, where Amazon itself was trading at four bucks a share. But if you look at it, where we are, people are still trying to find out these use cases. Number of like great like move to earn apps, uh, which encourage people to hone their fitness, but they earn crypto whilst doing it. People like step in, very much simple on the face of it, and there's a, there's a way to go. I think. What people wanted to do was just move on to something just as a bit of, uh, I don't know, I'll call it revenge investing, but like, because the because the pandemic shifted a lot of paradigms, people thought, okay, I need to be out in front of things because, like you said, VR, AR, there's a lot of technological challenges in terms of reducing bandwidth with the challenges around 5G and that access because you know probably better than most it being based in Midwest, in America, some of the challenges around that itself. So there's a lot there that we've got to get hurdles over, but if I take the example, I had a bit of a chuckle because I think was it Barcelona? They got some investment, uh, I think from was it Socios on the to buy that NFT studio. But still, where's the utility of that? Great, I have a gift on my phone, but what what where does that blend the online and offline and give a deeper, more immersive experience that seems to be lacking? So yeah, Web three still to be defined. This is no financial advice, so I don't want you getting sued on the show, but. Look for utility. Does this make sense to you? Like and that's and that's the first place I'd start before even getting into the tokenomics and all, all the bullshit that comes with it.
0: So the uh the fires are already starting in the world of web three. When it all burns to the ground, where would you be putting ten dollars into some Amazon light stock? Where would your bet what what what's the most exciting web three company for you at the mm-hmm. moment? So, so-
1: Great question. I do like stepping, but funny enough, they've crashed. So just like (laughs) just just, just on that one, because the idea is cool. You earn whilst you move. Right. But I'd say it's more like I said, it is more of a space and more. I think the wellness space that can connect different data sets. Now we touched this last time, but like elements around biometric data and really unlocking new insights that we don't see from the current current modalities of technology. That's 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 where it's at. And I'd probably say the wellness space, because if you can connect true um, digital ownership through that, you can unlock so many challenges around bureaucratic and slow systems like healthcare. And even when you think about it from like true use cases of scouting, right? You could actually build a true decentralized platform that would give people the opportunity for it for a true shot, a true representation of themselves. So again, it comes to the use case. That's what really excites me. I think certain things are limited. I, I love what the NBA has been doing with Top Shot, and it's more of that progressive drip feed jump because i think there's a disconnect of you start off with web 3 and it's like okay you get you get just chucked everything you go through all all the the crypto space the um nft space and it's like you head scrambled so where do you start and there's so much there's so much consideration and i think the biggest thing that'll probably be the 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 biggest advance probably be more regulation uh in the space because it is largely largely unregulated because that's why you see like these fan tokens right they drop in value because where's the utility behind it? It's just some upfront demand. It's not like if you held on, Pete, to a, an Arsenal token like of a, of a batch of 1,500 and it gave you special access to Ask Me Anything's exclusive content or priority access to a game, that has value. But holding on to it just for the <laughs> – yeah, holding on to it. Oh, this one. You know? <laughs> yeah. holding that. on, hold it, Holding on just to a token. What, what, what's, the final, what's the point in that?
0: yeah the 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 so talking of Socios because it it has been a massive success in terms of their ability to scale almost mm-hmm. every club has brought in uh to the Socios platform across the world Inter Milan West Ham Arsenal um you know any major club uh, has seemed to because they're just giving out free money but at the heart of it, when you look at what they're doing, it's taking money off fans. And one of the one of the best points that I heard in the game about Socios, their, their offering is deeper engagement with fans. And the response that I heard was, we should not have to use a special app to have deeper engagement with our fans. You should not have to buy in to Socios token, tokens to pick the Arsenal walkout song you should be doing that through your own app and owning that relationship personally, not putting your fans, um, in a financial predicament. Cause it's, it seems like, you know, when the socios started to really boom, it was at that moment where it was Dave Portnoy saying, you don't, you know, stocks only go up. Crypto was exactly the same, wasn't it? It was like, <laughs> if I put a thousand into crypto today, I can pretty much guarantee I will have 1250 tomorrow, 1500 the day after. Um, but like all good things, they you know they have to come down and land at some point. Do you see much of a future for um, Socios or these soccer tokens, or has is it tarnished?
1: It's really interesting because I was scratching my head at this when I saw like I think was it Barcelona? Barcelona, yeah. They've they've invested yeah Socios has invested 100 million into Barcelona into Barca Studios, which is phenomenal because when you think of Barcelona right now and their financial health and deferring Frankie de Jong's salary payment. If I'm him, I'm asking for some of that money. I'll tell you that. But there are people clearly back in this space. And it's almost like it's almost like the loss of Virgin. You know, you don't want to crystallize that loss. So you're going to keep pumping money into there. And they've been backed by some great institutions. And one thing I give them credit for, they caught the wave where this was at the height of it to get that back. in. so some people are too deep in to pull out. So as a result, they're just going to keep, keep rolling and bankrolling from that side. But I think, again, the market and the space itself is, it's kind of almost like, if you remember, like the Dreamcast, like back in the day, it was probably like a console that was ahead of its time. And it didn't really get that user adoption there. I think with socios, though, because they've got the, because with, with football, I will say this, people tend to go to one or two suppliers in the space in their procurement decisions. So as it relates to socios, they'll just be like, well, they're the only ones out there. Let's just let's just use them because everyone else seems to be using it. I mean, it was kind of the art the the lion arsenal pedal with the super league, right? Well, we didn't want to be the guys to stand at the train station. We want to be on the train. So I think these guys will continue. It's kind of sad because you quite rightly put out like the club should be owning that relationship and it's not hard. You know, and even if even if it's like domestic and international fans, you could set up Discord servers and get that engagement going. You could even use Twitter spaces to to work to work this out. So I think the most remarkable thing to quite a take a step back to web three is a lot like what I'm seeing, kind of similar to what you're seeing, is could be done in a web two world. So it's the same thing here with socios. I think Emperor's new clothes, but I think some people are too proud to acknowledge that.
0: I pitched an idea to a VC group once. Um I was I wasn't young either. I don't know. I was like twenty-nine or something. So I'd been around and been working in advertising where you're supposed to be able to communicate your ideas clearly and concisely and um i got destroyed in this meeting like probably the the worst meeting of the last 10 years absolutely it, the they, me you about, about, don't
1: they? Yeah, oh, like you're it.
0: like jesus man i have I, they've torn me limb from limb but the, the one bit of advice that they took out of it they were like if you can't explain your idea in a single sentence it's a mm. shit idea And so now when I'm looking at these new technologies, I always try and sort of wrap it up in a a single sentence. I looked Mm. at the, uh, the Socios website and I, I could not give you a one line explanation of what it is. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm around this sort of stuff all day. Like Mm. I love the the internet and I'm like, if I can't get to what it is, no wonder so many people have lost so much money in it. I think people just, you know, saw an opportunity to do something that Arsenal have promoted. And, um, it it would be it, I, I, there is def- the thing with all of these things is it's like listen we're going through a bad moment but like you say there there are too many smart people in the world uh, piling into this with you know human capital mm-hmm. and money for something not to come out the other end that is interesting uh, useful and tangible but this um this particular platform didn't really hasn't really nailed it for me I, i'm not really sure what it is um right so let's let's move on to something um that I know that you are quite passionate about because we spoke about it on the failed podcast last time. Uh, I know that one of your passion points is biometric data um mm-hmm. when we spoke last time, there wasn't a use case i'm not sure there's a use case right now uh but Manchester City have released a special scarf that monitors biometric data uh, I saw it, and obviously I was like that's really fucking cool. I'm not really sure how they're going to harvest that data, <laughs> but it did give us a nice segue into, um, like, talk to us about biometric data and, and what the what the future is there. Are, are we going to see more biometric scarves? Are there other use yeah. cases on the pitch? What are we what are we talking you about? No, know here? what
1: like, this shows it, how quick technology is moving because last week we spoke about that and scarves weren't even even in that conversation around biometric data. So, there's that point. I just think of the snood back in the day where Sam and Nasri used to rock that one. Yeah. You know, and to that point, that's that's really the, I suppose, the billion-dollar use case, right? That if you have if you have a true tap in, you're able to leverage connected fitness devices to create a holistic view of a player. Yeah, you can you can early intervene on injury, and then therefore protect team performance. Like we look back at last season, there are a number of games. Look at Tomiyasu, right? There could have been early indicators. There, there's so many devices out here, and it's almost like having your ios or a microsoft system to knit all these different data points so you've got like whoop and aura rings that were being used as early detection for COVID because people are able to correlate lower blood oxygen levels in relation to an early symptom of COVID, like three days beforehand so when you're thinking about that and you're thinking about okay how do i optimize a team if i know someone is effectively in the red zone but i can see that sooner then they don't get a tommy tommy asu car from just one to two weeks which is out for the season and basically Costs Arsenal four points and potentially cost them getting to Champions League. Well, cost them getting to Champions League this year and accelerate their um, ascent, right? To challenge again for the title. So these, it may seem small, it may seem tiny. And the cool thing is, a lot of this data exists. It's just connect, connecting the fragmented network because Stats Sports do a phenomenal job with the GPS uh, best trackers that Arsenal are leveraging, and they're leveraging gamification to get. Um, grassroots footballers encouraged into this and start playing, start playing games. So the,
0: kid, the kids can now have the packs on their yeah, team, so right? They can yes, wear them. And... Yeah.
1: So they, they're getting them to, um, they, they're getting them direct to consumer. So it used to be strictly B2B. I think they worked with a couple of NFL teams, like the Jagu- Jacksonville Jaguars and, and such like that, the Colts as well. And it's just cool because you've got, even now in the NFL, you've got mouth guards that can track the impact of a hit. So it can actually work <sighs> out, say, it, so it's, so if you can knit all of that data together, then you can almost like roadmap your optimum team based on the players and resources you have rather than kind of like the leveraging horse placentas to get someone back, back to match fitness. And then if you unlock it to a like another level and you blend uh, almost wellness insights because the advent of mental health and wellness has become more prevalent in the space, you think about how everyone's not their FIFA rating. So Bakayo Saka ain't going to be that 85 week in week out. He's going to have peaks and troughs. Are there other indicators like sleep, anxiety, that's kind of knock him off his stride? That maybe affects him a game at Aston Villa where he fluffs his lines. So there is, and and that's the cool thing about data right now in the football space. I'm not the biggest fan of expected goals because I think there's a lot of subjective um, elements that go into that formulation of that data. But I do think the biometric space can be a huge strategic unlock. And I know there are a lot of clubs that are trying to harvest and almost create that, uh, crack that Da Vinci code because... Well, like you can expected basically...
0: performance levels and knowing uh, he's, yeah. he's going to be at a nine physically today, put him yeah. on.
1: Yeah, like it's, it's exactly that, right? And it's it, again, it's kind of cool because the Premier League's now introduced five subs. And that's why Arsenal are taking full advantage with the transfer window, having that versatility across the team to almost scenario plan for a play plan a b c to d like what what happens if we're two nil down one nil down or one or how do we go and kill this game those those sort of elements there
0: um you know we've we've spoken about some of the negatives of technology um Mm -hmm. if kids are able to gamify fitness coaching Mm -hmm. nutrition through a pack on their chest um Surely, I mean, that's something we didn't have growing up. Do you, yeah. do you think that there is, um, do you think that, that is a type of technology that has a positive impact on society? Because we've grown up with the bad technology that's made us depressed and sad. Are we finally <laughs> moving? Is biometric data with, with kids, is, is that a, a, a way forward to keep yourself disciplined and motivated and, you know, focused? It's,
1: just, it's interesting. We're almost like talking about a Black Mirror plot line. Like yes. we're, 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 we're starting off here and it's like, yeah, biometric is awesome. But there are the there are the pitfalls and challenges with it because in this in this elite space, I mean, the mental fortitude to get in play and be the top one percent, you have to be you have to be ruthless to get there. No two ways about it. But in terms of actually being able to see that layer of insight, it depends depends on your, depends on your instinct, right? Some people want to be measured and be able to see how can I get that one percent. I think there are use cases here where it could be really, really cool and leveraged. You know, when you talk about wider health, you know, some of the challenges around, like you said, around nutrition, just physical activity, gamifying. I know last week we touched on how um, clubs are almost looking to FIFA as that gateway from FIFA to actually playing the real game of football and getting involved in it in, in that side. And I just think um, I think it's cool. And personally, if I had one, I, if, if I was that age, and you know, I'd be using one. It, it's an awesome bit of kit. You're just rocking it about and you can actually see, okay, how you compare your sprints to a Bukayo Saka. And if you're like a 10-year-old kid, that's what you want to be doing.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of having a, 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 a like a, a coach on your chest yeah. or, you know, th- I also think it's interesting for – there's a lot of bias in sport. You yeah. know, co- like a coach isn't going to like all 15 kids on the no. team. And sometimes a coach can be like, well, that kid's lazy. And I think that it happens in professional sport. You know, managers don't like certain players and like that player's lazy. But then they have this layer of data that says, oh, actually, he worked harder than everybody mm-hmm. during the training session. I just wasn't paying attention or I was looking at it through the haze of him pissing me off uh, on the <laughs> coach last week. So it's quite, could um, be quite interesting if this sort of technology, when it becomes affordable, Seeps down into you know the the upper levels of kids' football so the coaches know who's slacking off, mm. who like you know kids get in the red zone as well. You you know certainly don't want to be injuring kids during their development, but you also want to make sure that they're pushing themselves.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's a great point because if you take that one step further, you think about the, the missed opportunities, like the missed sackers, even there I say the missed Harry Canes that had a bad day at the office, and they and that coach or scout to that one line of sight and said that was the evaluation point of him. And he didn't have any data to back up to stay to. Well actually today he weren't feeling it. But here's the context behind that. They and that that's why I think clubs will become more savvy in this space because it is um, it is a challenge you have to get more sophisticated because like you we were touching on this last week about the stats Coca-Cola had in terms of um, kids this upcoming generation Gen Z are just not engaging with live sport. Now I don't know about you, but when I first started watching Arsenal, I went after that, I wanted to go and kick a football about it afterward. You know, you, you, you yeah. see you see a great game, you feel hype, but that isn't the reality of today. And they're having to use different ways to engage um, fans. It's like um, just even and I'm jumping a bit around here, but even like the different fan casts for different demographics and, and such there. So So
0: let's um let's shift on to another area that is quite interesting we're post pandemic now and uh football fans expect more live experiences are getting more intertwined with um technology football is now competing for attention with netflix Fortnite, TikTok, um and you know well i'll talk about the coca-cola study we did this coca-cola study five years ago for uh, a pitch and one of the findings from this study was that young kids don't really care much about live sport, and I was like, "That is a load of shit." And they were like, "Well, that's that's what the that's what the number said," and it is slowly but surely playing out that um, getting getting young kids to watch sport is uh, is problematic, and we've got FIFA uh, is a extremely popular game. I think it's uh, in the top ten most streamed games on Twitch, and FIFA have got studies that say that kids are now using FIFA the game as a gateway into actual live soccer. Mm. Um, the it, it, In America at the moment, the average age of an MLS fan is 37. It's extremely um, mixed who comes into the game. Uh, whereas baseball, the average age of a season ticket holder is 58. It's a very white sport. Um Soccer in America is taking off and it's on the ascension. I'd imagine that part of that is because people don't want to put their kids into certain sports and have their brains rattled. Mm. Um, but also it's now a more global game. Um, average age of a premier league season ticket holder is 43. It's very expensive getting into the ground Um do you do you think I kind of danced around into the wrong place here, but I'm gonna ask this question first. Do you think um the Premier League is doing enough to look after the future of football? Um, on what sort of um tactics do you see that that the Premier League clubs are gonna to need to do to get the next generation of fans in the door?
1: Yeah, it's um could be here for like hours on this one, but to keep it kind of short on here, I think it's taking the first bit. So the Premier the Premier League itself. It's kinda of, it need it needs to a lot more because as the statue just outlined there right This this it's spot on we there there is a regen regeneration that needs to occur, and the cost of the cost of livings by and the cost of attending the games the economics of it just don't add up because the challenge and this is this is where people don't necessarily see um like the beginning of the end for certain things, but I'm going to go about this a roundabout way and give a bit of optimism here because with the challenges of the, of the decline in fans, it kind of leads to a point about poor product quality. And one of those factors around the poor product quality is the quality of referees, because it, 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 it boggles everyone's mind that you have 22 people who are, pe- are trained to peak performance, and you have a John Moss type running around on the pitch. Yeah. Now, what that, what that ladders up to over time is people just get apathetic towards it, because you can make a case last season, although I go, like, or Arsenal propaganda here but some of the decisions were horrific and goals and sending offs change games the referee's decisions do change the trajectory of a game and given the margin of error in this you know you're watching that you're watching the season how that unfolded for Arsenal because if if you play it back and you can see the quality of refereeing decisions you can make a case that we could have finished higher up and as a fan some people take it no way as oh what's the, what's the fucking point why would I continue why would I continue with this Adding the cost of things, it just doesn't become a priority anymore. And the things that become the nice to haves and the must haves are the things that are of high quality. Because say what you want about Amazon is, if you need a parcel the next day, you're going to get it, and they stick to what they say. I think the Premier League's actually got quite lazy as it relates to um, as, as it relates to fan engagement. That comes in different ways, you know. It's like even the diversity around referees, and I know I'm I know I'm prodding the referees here a bit, but it's just one factor of it. I also look at like the not one bl-
0: not one black referee. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not not even not even black. It's like yeah. not it's just every referee is white in the Premier League, which is to be from the Northwest. It's yeah. All from <laughs> the Northwest. It is absolutely staggering that that's allowed to go on.
1: And and, that, and that's the kind of thing because that's if you ask a lot of Arsenal fans, I imagine, and I'll be I'll be real here like my dad gravitated towards Arsenal because during the time like 70s, 80s, you had the things around the National Front he saw players that looked like him. So it made him feel comfortable to go to that team, right? And you'll see that in certain things where people are discouraged that if you don't have that diversity of thought and actual inclusion, you discourage people away from it. So if you look at gamers in that space, they look at things where they want to be in control situation, try and compete and win. And that's why you're having this attrition of fans and it's driven by that legacy um, in terms of approach, like the 3pm kickoff rule. Why can't, why can't a kid go and watch a game? On why can't that be broadcast on Sky? You know, if you're if you're if you if you're an Arsenal fan in Manchester, there's plenty of them. I've met a few. Why can't you watch the game instead of having to get like a ninety quid ticket to Euston and then get down to Finsbury Park and then you got you got like the RCN train at the end. You got to like sleep in the train station to get back. So I do think there needs to be it needs to be greater depth in terms of investment around um inclusion around uh diversity but second to that just accessibility because that's why people that's why fans are declining to get in there it's, it's easier probably to get to join like like roblox or any other of these community-based games and play that than it is to attend the game and i think that's where the premier league has to look at itself and work with the clubs in a closer fashion to democratize that access
0: i love that answer and um yeah I, I, I totally agree and the uh, referees is another one where it's like the the technology opportunities that aren't taken advantage of it's like rotational fouling is yeah. an e- is an easy thing to to pick up hmm. uh, like just just somebody should just be tabulating it in the background and it should be going to the, to the watches like the, there should also be analysis like um, there should be like a, a an opter for foul play and then the referee should know listen this player uh mane he he throws his mm. elbows in he leaves his feet in and then he pretends it's an accident it is a problem and he's going to damage someone harry kane he backs into players and he's going to he's going to break someone's neck at some point mm. watch out for it but they they're so arrogant they and you know if the referees were amazing they would have some wiggle room it's like listen we we we're, we're best of the best leave us alone but they are so unbelievably inept, and they're 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 arrogant about their ineptness. Mm. They're like, "Hey, guess what? We're not we're not changing anything." Um, so, uh, but, and you also wonder, like the Premier League, why are they accepting this?
1: And they do don't need to all that well, money they've it, got. And it's that point, right? I would I would love it if we bought in European referees, the same way we bring in the best players in the world to play in the in the Premier League, because it just raises a higher standard. I know you've worked in high performance industries; I can tell that so you have to raise your game when you see someone come through the door who's big time you're like shit i better get my act together because i can't be slacking here and it's that it it weed out that mediocrity you know i know this is kind of like we talk about the battle between tradition and future but it's very much that it does it's going to need to take an element of revolution from the the this this system itself to to drive forward drive forward that progression and change because when you have a shit product that leads to apathy and the referees are causing that in terms of the, the, the elements of attrition there. But again, it's competing with different screen time. I know the pandemic created a lot of um, more opportunities as opposed to watch things. I know when the pandemic was going on for me, I was watching like the NBA finals, probably watching about two or three games because the way they were distributed, because no one could get into, into, into the game, into the Premier League games there. And it kind of changed viewer habits. So I think those, those impressions are here to stay. And, if I was a club, I can't say who, but I'd be looking at creating those those focus groups to really drive down the user experience of what does it look like a fan's journey from every every everyone's original story. Like how you asked me, how'd you get into Arsenal? Where did that come from? Because you can learn so much from from people and that's the thing. This this content is evergreen. I mean, you and I are talking about this. There'll be millions of further discussions going on. And this is just one club. Scaling that across the Premier League, and to your point, I think there has been an, an attitude of arrogance that has made people just too comfortable, um, and it's kind of what's happened to MLB, right, where their where their fans have become too skewed one way, and it's just dropped off a cliff.
0: Yeah, you're wondering whether baseball is going to have to have uh, like a cricket moment, where they're like, hmm. listen, people aren't going to tune into Test cricket if they're over the if they're under a certain age. Um, And now, you know, they've got lots of really interesting product. I think cricket is very advanced. You were talking about the, um, is it the IPL? You're talking about them actually being trailblazers in certain respects with some of the the ways that they're trying to bring sport to the fans. Um, Talk to me about um, in-game experience because that's been largely untouched. And when you do touch the in-game experience, certain segments of fans moan. I know that there were big complaints about the idea of having Wi-Fi in stadiums People don't like all of the app interaction, but the second screen is part of the experience now. Um, Talk to me about how um, some advanced leagues are are doing things a little bit differently.
1: Um, Yeah, it's really interesting. I call out the IPL specifically because they're doing some great work in terms of fan engagement, but it's that idea. It's that that second screen because everyone's looking for that social media highlight. Like if If you go to a game in the Emirates, you'll see people at the corner not not with their scarves in yeah, with the uh it's with their camera frame ready in position to record that goal, record that celebration and put it and put it straight up, straight up to Twitter. And that's where the clubs are actually getting it because they're updating their infrastructure in their stadiums to accommodate the new fan that wants to be in real time and say, Hey mate, you're in LA, look at this, look at this highlight reel, look at this thing on TikTok, you know? And the IPL do a great job in terms of having in-game play, effectively just being in a position to vote and dictate, okay, is this person going to hit a six? Is this person going to hit a four? Because I don't know if you've ever been to the cricket. It's it can be a good day out, a bit of a piss up and stuff, but, yeah. um, you know. And effectively, you're um, you're there all day, and it's like, well, what's, what's going on? And I was at the hundred last year at Lords, and just seeing that play out, and that felt like a, a it felt like they put elements of NBA meets cricket, just with like the the power plays and, and things like that, but. I wasn't that much of a fan of it, but I could see the younger fans there. They were like, they're really like, oh yeah, let's, let's get involved. And I can see, I can see football transition that same way of what's the outcome? Is you he going to save or miss the penalty. You know, is it, should it have been a red, you know, should it have been a yellow? Because when you take a step back to the referees, a lot of that is subjective. If you see one thing from one angle, that's where you make your decision from. So getting the fans in there could even, again, I say democratise access, but give that accessibility, which I do think the game is lacking in certain areas.
0: It'd be really interesting to see how clubs adapt to five G yeah. and the opportunities that that brings, uh, like in stadium, because there's a lot, lot of chance to um, do interesting things with sponsors. A lot of chance to to get data and to to pull people in deeper to mm-hmm. to the game. I think the great, I think one of the greatest advertising lines in sport is Sky's. Um, it's better when something's on it. And I, I feel like a lot of clubs have to take on that idea as they they, they move in and they try and create um, deeper experiences in stadium. Because it's, you know, like Arsenal had this, created this beautiful stadium. I can't remember when it was, like 2007, 2006, we went in there. Created this beautiful stadium. They don't do anything outside. They don't really do anything inside the stadium. The technology's bad. The food's bad. It's like they they went out of their way to not to, to stop you getting there early, so everybody turns yeah. up ten minutes before. And like, really, the ideal would be get everybody in there an hour before. Like, you go to mm-hmm. Dortmund, everybody's yeah. in there early because they're whipping everybody up. But there's a reason to be in there. I don't think a lot of Premier League clubs really considered it. I, I haven't been to Spurs' new ground. Um, I know it's um, yeah. you know it's supposed to be quite spectacular. But like, I wonder, like, what what clubs are really like drawing people in early to to, to see, you know form deeper relationships and get more it, cash?
1: It's, it's, it's interesting. I see City. City have, City have done a few things right, and they've they've just got the most throw it. I, I love it. Some of these things are a bit like a white elephant, right? If, if you're familiar with, with with that statement, and I put Spurs in that bucket because if you and I'm sure you've been to white, Old White Lanks, it's in the same spot. You get off at Seven Sisters Road and it's a a long walk. It's not a nice walk. It's completely different from walking through Caledonian Road. You know, it's very, very different. And the stadium is phenomenal. Great technology in there. But do you want to stay around there? No. You want to get in and get the fuck out. And that's that's kind of the inherent challenges. That's why, like you, I'm kind of with Arsenal. There's such a huge opportunity because... If you do your Arsenal walk mine kind of kicks off like in the in 12 pins. go to the bank of friendship and just amble down um down, amble down holloway road that way that's a night nice, that's a nice experience and i think you can almost create that carnival atmosphere on the way through so because you see it with the stalls out on match day it's a great it's a great vibe and the fans themselves almost cu- have kind of cultivated that that marchway in there but if they had a reason to go there sooner rather than take that extra pint or, or such on you know, you would see, you'd see that great level of engagement, but there is, there is a lot of focus, but I think in transparently speaking here, it's probably the wrong people giving that feedback because they're looking at it from a perspective of, okay, how, how can we make money rather than how can we create value? Cause that's what it comes down to. Cause if you want to be there sooner, you say like you're meeting your mates, well, you start off, in, you start off in the pub rather than you could go into the ground sooner and be in the concourse and get served there. So with all of that, I do think it's, um, it's, again, these are areas for room for improvement because it creates that those accessibility barriers, which I do think is warding off future fans because the cost of it, and it's like, well, I spend all that money. What am I getting for it? I could get a crap performance. The ref could F up the game, and then I'm left with some dry-out hot, hot dog for all my troubles.
0: Yeah, and th- that's the, the, the key bit. If you could make fans care, even when you play badly that's the dream. And I don't think, uh, I think a lot of clubs are very focused on the, on the 90 minutes, which, you know, sure. Great. But like, as more competition comes into, into the world, um, both digital and physical, um, I think clubs like Arsenal are going to have to buck up their ideas. I just look at that little plaza that they've got. I'm like, you've got all of these great food truck offerings all over London, Mm. bring them, bring them down, charge them a small fee, get people like rowdy before the game and then send them in uh, in good time and create that great atmosphere and that great vibe. But you know, there, there yet.
1: no, I just, just want to add on it because I think it's a phenomenal idea, right? You bring like Brick Lane or Camden Market, pockets of those in, in and around the stadium, you're going to be there, right? And that's none of that. And if, that's, that's, none of, that's nothing to do with Web3. But if you want it to even chuck a Web3 utility in there, if I'm a Socios token holder, then I get like a discount on that purchase and product. And that's why I say like, wind it back to that point on Web3. It's not hard because it's about the utility behind it. And it's even like here, a lot of these, what I find with with football at the moment is whilst there's so much going on around it, there's so much more to explore. And it seems that there's always a zeitgeist. I feel the last couple of years it's been expected goals and people aren't looking at the full chessboard to say, okay, where are these pieces play, and How do I actually unlock a true activation strategy? with my fans that whether they whether if you go and say, let's take Arsenal for example, you're gonna have an Arsenal experience, what does that look like? Chart the pathway. You get you get in and around the stadium, what what what's what's your almost Arsenal walk, if you will? How long do you stay there? And that is that's it. It's more less of a it's more of a war for engagement than it is a war a, a war for money from a war for commercialisation, I should say.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be quite uh, interesting tying that web three into the problems that Arsenal had with their rewards program and trying to make everybody spend credits on on rubbish. And it's like, you know, if you if you could get Arsenal rewards and you could spend them in in places, you know, you get beers with them or whatever Mm. in and around the ground. I think that that would be an exciting utility and probably make people a little bit more invested in those programs
1: it's easy It's easy to understand, right? That makes a lot more sense to you. That's the kind of elevated pitch there rather than, yeah, I've got to get an ERC token and it's regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and you're thinking, what the fuck is this?
0: Exactly. All right, um, Ben, before uh, before we go, I wanted to talk to you. We're, uh, it's Wednesday. Our first game of the season is on mm. Friday against Crystal Palace. How are you feeling about the window? Do
1: you know what? I'm... Um, I'm feel, I'm feel, I feel great about it. I, think, uh, I know we spoke last week. I think uh, I'm still sticking with that. I think the Zinchenko move was a phenomenal move because we, we finessed United. That's the only way to describe it because they've had to pay over the odds for someone that who, who probably will be a fantastic player, but he's got to be. And we've used that resource to build out the depth of strength. I mean, all signs are pointing to Tielemans because we're clearing the decks. We've got Leno out the door, Mari out the door maybe Nate Maitland-Nars maybe going to Forest I know that one's been dragging a bit but that might unlock some more capital but what I love most is we haven't waited on contingencies in the past where this player's got to go or we're going to hold out because this player may stay and we just acted like a like a true club you know like a professional professional club like this time and had a plan executed so and I think I think that that vibes into the season you know you work in and it's no different than working in like top corporate organizations where that flows through. You have that level of execution. Everyone feels that ten percent, like you got your chest out. You know, you're more, you're more puffed up and ready to go. So, I don't. know. I mean, Palace. I'll say all this. We could get, we get, we get slapped up because Pat has done great work there. Brilliant. That job, yeah. better, you know, I think this could be like our two thousand seven eight season where we were just so close. We had a few things go against us and run out of steam in this way because no one's looking at Arsenal this season, this window is a banter club. No one's laughing at. Me. Everyone's like, actually. You've only probably got one player who's not with the cause in terms of Pepe. If you look at probably the true core teams, not really bought into the vision, but to have that buy in, that's great. And the Amazon documentary is going to look like a masterstroke because people are going to see a different view of Arteta, more so of, uh, so of Edwin, just see, okay, we misjudged these guys. And um, we just, yeah, I mean, Gabriel Jesus, I wasn't sure because I thought everyone's going for the tall guys, you know, Haaland, Nunes, and he just looks electric. He looks like a new player. I know it's pre-season. I sound like a fool for saying this, but and maybe it's because he's playing for my club now, but I didn't think he was that good. I know it just sounds like, I know some of the finishes he's been doing has just been phenomenal.
0: Yeah, a, a little bit of a technology stat, kind of. The, um, the most used player in FPL history, Gabriel Jesus, this season. Isn't that amazing so it's not it's it's like a it's like a bipartisan view everybody in in the yeah. world that's playing fantasy is like I think this could be a big season for him yeah he uh-huh. reminds me a little bit of um I, I people kill me for saying it he he I think he could be like Luis Suarez for us mm. I I love the the aggression um yeah, I love the chip on the shoulder I think he's got good leadership skills I don't think he's got any of the bad bits but the way that he moves and the way that he sniffs out opportunity and the way that he can just create from a standing start. I mean, we haven't had a striker
1: um, this equipped for the Premier League since, I don't know, like Robin Van Persie. Yeah, I mean, that complete Because I, I look at, I mean, my brother, he's a huge fan of Olivier Giroud. And he's always said to me, if Olivier Giroud was in this system, he'd probably be like top scorer just because of the way in which we create chances. But I think... Jesus, I can see that because he has that dogged mentality of and it it just radiates around the team because he's leading that press from the front. Cause I'm a big Martinelli fan. But yeah, he sometimes he's just he's like a dog without a leash sometimes because where he presses, it's not it's not tactical. It's not it's not the most. You love it as a fan because you see the passion, everything, desire. But with Jesus, who's that more seasoned and he's a four time Premier League winner, I mean, it's just it's just exciting when you think of that front line. I mean, the 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 versatility, I mean. People haven't even really spoke about Fabio Vieira, and I thought that was just crazy. Like doing that deal it was just like, we're buying someone that is likely to go to somewhere like a City or a Liverpool a year later, and we're we're we're, we're swimming with the big fishes. So I think if you're not, and again, I don't want to be like true propaganda here. You know, I've had my I have my frustration for the club like anyone, but this summer I think the the execution, the excitement. I mean, I'm going to Crystal Palace thinking we will win. Not like thinking, oh, like it might be a draw, it might be this, you know. With because I look at the team, I look at the depth of it. That start in eleven, that is compare that to what we had against Brentford, it's just night and day.
0: Yeah, and the squad feels balanced. It's in it still lacks experience. I think we've actually aged down the squad with some of the older players going, but it feels balanced. I mean, we're we're going into Crystal Palace on Friday without Smith Rowe, Tommy Yasu, Kieran Tierney. Last season, you're right, that's killing us. That killed us against um against Crystal, Crystal Palace. Still,
1: yeah.
0: So to have the players of the quality of Zinchenko and Jesus to come into the side and bring that winning mentality. Like everybody know, like when you are when you are going to war with people that are battle hardened, just gives you that little bit of extra confidence. And I, I I'm I'm really happy that Gabriel Marcinelli seems to absolutely adore Jesus versus seeing him as um competition, and I'm also pleased that like Eddie Nketiah, I think he's going to score more goals than Richarlison this season. So that's I, my...
1: I'll give you kudos for that because you, you, you put your neck out on the line. It's hard. That's a hard position to do it publicly. You said Eddie was going to bag and he, he was incredible on, on the running. But one question, just one thing I want to just point out just on there, you'd say like we de-aged the squad, but when you think about who we've de-aged with, I would consider Gabriel Jesus more experienced than Alex Lacazette. Right, because if you think yeah. about the four-time Premier League winner, played in Champions League, I think he played Champions League final last year, semi, uh, the year before, sorry, semi-final. He's been there, done it. He's played in immense pressure, and he's played with a different type of pressure where he was coming true from a, a, an impoverished background, where it just gives you just a ridiculous desire and hunger, similar to how Suarez had it. So those parallels um, definitely definitely could uh, could materialize. So. Whilst on, on paper we have, I look at again like Zinchenko, like you know, who we had. I mean, coming into the squad from that perspective again, the these these people are hungry and, and like you said, they've got a chip and shoulder, want to prove something. I think the most exciting thing is they're spending their best years with Arsenal. It's not like you're 29 on and it's questionable. You're going this isn't
0: like fun. picking up Galas or check <laughs> <laughs> We're moving on. Then, yeah. um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, we'll do this again. Uh, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Well, good question. I'm, most, I'm mostly on Discord. So um, Ben Campbell, 1914. So if you type that in, you'll find me there. I've also shared some slides with the guys at the AOP. So if people want to reach out and sign up to the Patreon, they can get access access to the slide deck and love to continue the conversation there.
0: Yeah, and we will be putting that, like this will be going out on YouTube as well. So we'll put the, uh, the slide deck there so you can take a look at uh, what Ben gets up to. Um, Ben, thank you for joining. Um, It's been really interesting. Love having our second chat. Thank you for coming on again. We are recorded this time, so um, we're in good shape. And if you are listening to this on Patreon, thank you for your patronage. If you're listening to this on YouTube a few days later, sign up to that Patreon and you can get content like this nice and early. Um, Enjoy the game on Friday. Uh, Ben, hopefully it's a massive win. Um, And you, you and I will catch up soon. And on that note, I'll say ciao for now.
1: Cheers, Pete.
0: slash careers.